Hello, and welcome to another conversation. I'm Steve Waltz. And I'm Jeff Pregelski. And Jeff, we're talking about your favorite subject today. Oh, my favorite? I think this is <laughs> your favorite subject, Steve. Are, are we talking about CRM? Is that at least part of the conversation? We, we are talking with, about CRM, and we're excited to have C5 Insights with us today. We got Jeff and Gary with us today. Welcome, guys. Woo-hoo. Thanks Thank for having you. us. And and Jeff likes poking at me because that's about the only functionality of the software that I that I understand. So he anytime he gets a chance to poke at me about CRM, he does. So I took it away from him. Yeah. Well, it's not that. Uh, yeah. It, it, Steve is a huge fan of uh, of CRM. So so um, so C five the, the the first letter of CRM is in there. Um, who wants to take the lead and, and tell us a little bit about uh, about C5 or, or should we start with the uh, introductions and, and background? Steve, you you guide me here. All right, let's do that. So guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, uh, sure. and C5? So I'll jump in. Um, my name is Gary Brown and I'm a senior consultant with C5 Insight. Uh, my role is primarily to work with clients on the front end of the process as they're looking at um, CRM or if they're looking at basically refreshing their current CRM org. And then I interact with the rest of the team as we move forward on the on the actual implementation side. I've been in this business for 10 years now um, and various roles with some companies, including Salesforce. And prior to that, I was in the corporate world uh, in various leadership roles around sales, um, operations, and distribution. So real happy to be here. And I'm based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Thank you. All right, I'm uh, I am Jeff Abels. I'm actually the founder of C5 Insights. So we we uh, are a little over 21 years old now. Um, prior to C5 Insight, I actually ran what I don't hear this term much anymore, but it used to be called the database marketing team for what what is now called Wells Fargo. So um, we basically built giant data warehouses, a single version of the truth for the customer, created leads that went out to all the branches in our network, did email marketing and direct mail marketing and all those kinds of things out of um out of for wells fargo and then founded c5 insight in 2002 i'm also by the way a microsoft mvp which for those of you listeners who don't know what that is that's a designation awarded by microsoft called most valued professional and it's just an indication of people who've demonstrated a lot of commitment to the community a lot of time invested in becoming experts and a lot of free services given helping to keep the community educated about the things that microsoft products do all right. Very well, cool. Um, Steve, sorry, I'm going to ask them, Jeff, are you contractually obligated to be on this podcast because of the uh, MVP status? Absolutely not. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Can't hurt, right? That's pretty. It cool. doesn't hurt. It goes. It goes on my resume, I just, and I get to earn an MVP title one more year for doing good things like this. Like Steve, have we ever had a uh, Microsoft MVP on the show before? That's a great question. Probably, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure. And, you know, and, and Jeff, so you, you were talking about what you did in your previous life before you started it. What what made you want to start the company? Did you just have a light go on saying, boy, I see where this is going? Or what made you want to start the company? I, I kind of always had the entrepreneurial spirit. I had actually written about three or four business plans before I even started the company, kind of thinking about other things I wanted to startup. I'm the son of an entrepreneur and kind of was always bit by that bug a little bit. Uh, and, and ultimately what happened was I I had left my employer and was kind of on a little bit of a downtime thinking about next steps and some 
a number of people I'd associated with in past employment said, hey, you're available right now. We could use you to do some contract work for us. So I worked with like Travelocity and another company called Halftime. And all of a sudden I looked up one day and said, wow, I've got several clients now. Maybe I need to write a business plan for whatever this thing is that I'm doing now and 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 make a company out of it. So it was kind of funny. I'd always planned to start a company. Then when I wasn't planning to start one, it kind of started without me and I had to catch up from it. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So, you know, what would... When Jeff and I, uh, uh, when when we talk quite a bit about doing demos on the relationship management inside of Business Central, you know, we get asked quite a bit. Well, you know, what's you know, you have Dynamics, uh, and then you have Business Central, you know, and and there's so many differences, but you know, between the two. I mean, if I know you guys aren't as familiar with Business Central as we are, but <clears throat> obviously you love the product. You're an MVP. Maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, some of the functionality that you really like inside that system, if you don't mind. Sure. And and there's probably all sorts of different perspectives. So this might be a good conversation for all, all four of us to have from different perspectives. But as you said, I'm, I'm not a BC expert. What, what I tend to run into is, you know, there's a, there's a time and place where the CRM capabilities built into BC are more than sufficient for many companies, right? And probably the bigger and more complex you are, the more important it becomes to say, well, you know, BC's, BC's, uh, you know, roots are in the ERP side, and its strengths are deeply in the back office side. That's so important for running a business. And as a business grows, it can leverage those for a long time. But it might outgrow some of the CRM capabilities, which are great for the smaller organizations. So as you get into things like, hey, I need to do more than just track a list of contacts and a pipeline of opportunities. I need to maybe have custom processes built around those opportunities so I can be sure my team is following consistent processes all the time. Or I want to do a better job of activity management to make sure that not only can I automatically schedule activities as they're getting done in a certain way, I can even track them so I can have that better 360-degree view of the customer. If you start getting into doing lots of lead management and you start realizing, I'm cluttering up BC with a lot of stuff that's never really going to become a customer, it'd be better to have another system for managing that. Or as you think about, I need to expand it with really deep, rich marketing capabilities like email marketing campaigns, customer journey maps, and process automations. Um, Really expand it deeply into the customer service side. Those are the times you need to start thinking about we need something that complements what we're doing in BC that gives us strength on the CRM or the customer engagement side of the world as well. I don't have a magic number for that. I, I would say, you know, once you're getting somewhere between three to 10 full-time people dedicated to managing the sales pipeline, whether those are just sales or a mix of sales and, and marketing, um, that's usually where you start running into the limitations of BC, where you start to say, we need something more that complements it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's, Jeff mentioned, it's the extensibility of functionality as well, right? So um, a good example would be field service. So if you're a, a company that does alarm installations, as an example, having the ability to look at your resources, being able to create work orders, dispatch those folks, manage that process, that's an extension of CE or CRM, right? Um, the same thing might apply to portals, a partner or a customer portal where you're actually transacting transacting with them or having them log cases and things like that. So that's another piece that's really valuable uh, as, as clients grow on the CRM platform or, and try to extend functionality. 
Uh, Jeff with a J and Steve, I'd be interested in hearing you. You guys come from the BC side and you see clients who BC makes sense for, others who are moving mm -hmm. out of it. What's your perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. So just to let you know, we actually use dynamic CRM at Anovia. So we're that's what we interact with. I mean, but we we obviously have the capability. When we get it as we're a Microsoft partner at no charge. So we took advantage of it. But I think what helps us in that aspect is that we have a lot of folks that have worked with it. So I think when we took it on, we still had help, you know, get it set up with with the partner that helped us do it on it but i i do think uh you know some of the you know I, when you sign on the dashboard it's 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 just it's there right where as in as in bc when you click onto it you basically can make your role center that like in business central you have a role center like a sales and sales manager uh role center salesperson which can take you to your your dashboard on it but i would think and uh, jeff's more of an expert on it than, than me but w I, the one thing that i've noticed is that the relationship management inside of BC is inherent inside of Business Central. There is no connecting. It's there. And we have found when folks are running what you're what you guys are using or a Salesforce or whatever they're doing, you know, connecting that, right? Making sure all the fields align. And it's it's more of a journey because it's, you know, what does it say, Jeff? There's a connector inside of Business Central for Dynamic CE, right? Just push the button and it works, right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it works how much yeah. of the time maybe how many i don't know okay push yeah, the button so, so, and yeah. something happens but you know right. i think i think what you're saying it, it resonates with me because there's a lot of there's a lot of assumption that well we're on bc we're on dynamics for erp side already so if we're going to get another dynamics product for our crm side those just talk to each other naturally right and and the reality is they they really don't right yes there's a connector and yes you can use that but that connector almost assumes you've not changed much about the processes and guts of BC or CRM. And when you start to make those changes, and almost everybody does, these, these systems are meant to be uh, tailored to the way your business works instead of requiring you to change how your business works, then you need something more. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a valid and important consideration to talk to people who are considering implementing CRM is it's, it's, Probably not as simple as just saying, let's buy this other piece of software and start doing stuff in it. Because unless you're really small, you don't want these as two stovepipe systems. You, you need these two systems to talk to each other so people yeah. can get their job done in one place. And that's, yeah. a, that's an important and not inexpensive part of the process. But doesn't necessarily have to be in phase one, but it needs to be in your roadmap somewhere. And that's why it might make sense sometimes to sit in, in BC a little longer because when you begin the investment in CRM, it's not just the licenses and you know a couple of months to turn it on and get people trained in it. It's a little more deeper than that. I agree with Jeff. And I think sometimes when we have these conversations, people are concerned about having access to the data that they have now in, in, in ERP, right? Like PC. And an important part of our job is to integrate those systems and give the teams access to the data that they need to do their job. So we always talk about a 360 degree view of the customer, right? So if I can see the sales orders from my account by bringing that in from ERP, BC, IE, and see it associated with that account, if I can bring in product data, inventory data, so I can respond quickly to a customer that asks about availability for product, those are great use cases for integrating the systems. So the systems don't go away, they talk to each other and they actually enhance uh, a client's ability to 
get a full view of the customer. Yeah, and I would um, just add to to Steve's answer about you know some of when we when we're talking to customers that that wants a, a CRM solution, and you know we our first thought is always well let's um, let's look at the solution you already own um, in BC, but but quite quickly um, I think we're able to determine where um, it makes sense. It, the questions I ask. Um, especially for customers who are um, who aren't doing anything um, it's it's BC is a great first step but if you've got a pretty mature sales operation if you've got needs that um, that go beyond just the basics I mean I think business central does a pretty good job in in opportunity management contact management but when you start to get into workflows to model a, a sales cycle um, we can define those sales stages in Business Central, but um, if we are going to do any sort of workflow around that, we're going to kind of leave the system and use um, maybe a Power Automate um, flow to to try to do some notifications. And it just seems like when the process starts to to get that complicated, that Business Central, um, you can still accomplish um, all of those things, but a more robust tool like um, D365 for sales seems to, to be the right solution. And then also um, putting on my licensing hat, um, the fact that they've got that base and attached licensing model that allows people to, um, for Business Central users to add on that license for like $20 a month. It's just uh, such a great deal that, uh, um, that you know, it, it's worth investigation. But, but as um, Jeff with the G said, um, it, that's just part of the project. And I think, so oftentimes with CRM implementations that we've been involved in, and obviously if it's if it's not a BC implementation of, of um, CRM, it's um, it's beyond us. But but with the projects that we've um, worked on with our customers, um, oftentimes I think the amount of effort um, that is required is is um, underestimated. Yeah, I think you bring up Jeff with a J. You bring up a good point about projects and how we work together with partners, right? So I think what's critical to success, and we're fortunate enough to be a partner of yours, is how the two teams can work together to ensure that whatever we do is successful for the client. And, and that's important also to, to note, is that team collaboration. Yeah, you know, one yep. thing we found is um, it would, a huge number of the new customers that come to us last time we checked our opportunity pipeline is about 70 percent aren't new to crm they're actually they're dealing with some level of struggle and failure and they're trying to recover and to gary's point i think part of that is because there are a lot of partners out there who just try to do whatever whatever their customer wants right as long as i can sell you the licenses we'll try to do this implementation for you and a huge number of those are people who are coming from a partner who might have done a good job on the ERP side, but then you know they've got a person who does CRM or something like that. And I think the opposite is true of some CRM partners. We are very, very focused on we're a CRM shop. We're we're a people-centric shop with the front office things that are happening in a business. That's what we're all about. And we only touch ERP from the standpoint of we'll integrate CRM with it, but we partner with firms like Anovia who are also very deep on the back end of the shop, all the financials, all the accounting, all the ERP things that are so important. And my experience is 
that's really important. The partnership between us is important and the ability for clients to tap into people who are deep subject matter experts in one thing, because we all know processes around sales, marketing, customer service are a lot different than processes around finance, accounting, and all of those areas of the business too. And it's hard to have one company that can speak in depth to all of them. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You know, what's interesting is uh, uh, when you look at departments of a company, you know, it's they all have their processes. They all function a certain way, but then sales is always out here, right? It just, not that they get a free pass, but it's just like sales is out there and, and it's like building a house. And if you ask somebody, we get a lot of that too. People that talk with a partner, I'll, they'll, they'll try to build in their ERP system and not really what they want it's that discovery up front and you know what's missed a lot of times is the why you know why do you want it and then and, and architecture that plan out because what's when i when i speak on the user groups about cr implementations i always talk about the failure rate because in the erp world about one third of erp systems never go live and it's almost double that for cr implementations right and you would think it would be the opposite because in the ERP, it's more complex, right? You have operations, you have your financials, you, you know what you're doing everything. But in the in in the relationship management, it's it's it's. I think a lot of it is what's missed is, you know, who wants it. Every you have all different stakeholders wanting for different reasons. Who are you catering to? What's you know what's you know can't forget the number one reason. I'd always ask somebody when I'm talking to them, what right. is the absolute reason? Why do you want this? Right. Right. And, and, and where's and, where is this boat going to be pointed? And you're exactly right. That's right. That up front. That's you, you run into leadership who says, well, we want this because we want all these incredible metrics out of the system. Sales front end sales reps might say, well, if this can make me more efficient, help me track my Rolodex better, track some of my activities better so I can close more deals more efficiently. That's great. Mm -hmm. But but those two needs collide when suddenly reps start to realize to give leadership all these awesome metrics they want. There's an enormous amount of data entry required to get that done. And and somewhere in the middle, there's a meeting in the middle, right? At some point, it's it's worth slowing everybody down a little bit to help the whole move more effectively. But but you can't cross a certain line with that, too. So it's so important. That's why we spend a lot of time up front building what we call a roadmap, um, which is, Steve, answering that question of what is your why? And and there's more than one yeah. why. So how do we bring all of those together to really understand what will be the core benefit to the business? How will we actually move the bottom line and top line of the business and make the individual contributors at either more productive or at least help them get buy into why am I taking a little hit? Because it's actually going to make the right. whole team work a little bit better. And those are important discussions to have. And they're not trivial. It takes time to dig into the detail and, and suss all that out. It's, you know, we talk about, so like that when an owner or the VP of sales, sales sees that beautiful pipeline, the funnel. Ooh, I always talk about like a bug's life. Don't don't look at the light. I can't help myself, right? And they get focused on it. But you know, when you when you define it up front, because the you know the conversations to me is like so is to increase sales. Is that the top of the list? Is that close? Right. So Pretty when close, you're yeah. when you're building this, have the mindset, you know, because it's you know, and and I want to get your take on it. But I'm I'm from the mindset, you know, because I used to work for a large pharma company and it almost went under. And, you know, this had to really come in and take a, a, a big, a, a, a different look at it because it was, all right, we are now micromanaging a bunch of activities and, you know, let the salespeople sell, right? 
And if you can allow this tool to help them do their jobs better, there's a book called Cracking the Sales Management Code by Jason Jordan. I don't know if you ever read that book. I would highly recommend that book. Okay. That is the he 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 basically is a CRM expert. He he kind of gets into the metrics that matter. Why are we measuring these metrics if we can't influence them or change them? Right. There's things you can influence and change, things you can't. Why do people it kind of gets into this a lot of the psychology of why people are doing certain things or why they want to do it in the CRM. But if if you keep the mindset of okay, how can we help the salespeople do their jobs better and close more deals, right? And because there's a there's a fine line between uh, compliance and micromanagement, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and then coaching. You know, if you use it for coaching and helping your salespeople, because Big Brother, what I, you know, I'm, I'm at the silver side of my career, but when he implemented it, you know, I was kind of like Big Brother's watching me for the first time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I remember I remember being at a meeting when somebody from a complete different operational department asked me about a call I had. I'm like, ooh, this person's looking at my yeah, it was just it was just an eye-opening experience, right? On it. So I just want to kind of get your your kind of you're you're doing with these conversations all day long. How do you keep people focused and build that and architect that plan to help them be successful? I'm kind of I'd, I'd love to hear that. I mean, it's probably a very long and detailed answer, but uh, can you, you want to go in a couple so minutes? Time, <laughs> I, I'll I'll try to give you a couple of perspectives. I know Gary will give you some too. So. So simple way to start. If somebody's listening to this saying, hey, I am struggling or I'm thinking of starting, it starts with a name. It starts with the name of the project, right? Almost everyone we go into that say that says we're in recovery mode, they say, you know, we need help with our CRM project. Well, that that project name implies technology and it implies a foregone conclusion that this is the right thing for people to be doing. And it might not. Whereas if you name it something like the customer engagement process or the sales productivity project or something like that, and you can rename it as you go through different phases, that begins to speak a little bit to what are you trying to do, right? One of our one of our clients named our there's the um they they said our purpose is to get customers faster and keep customers longer. So you know it's like okay, you know, and then and then you kind of could, could keep going back to that mission as you thought about it, and instead of saying you know hey you've got to log all your activities in the system. Okay, well, is that helping us achieve this mission? Explain to me how that's helping us to achieve this mission that we've that we've prescribed to the stage of this project that we're working on. So that's one thing. But I think it's also really important to be crystal clear and frank about what you're doing. And and that is sometimes not necessarily big brother, but it is leadership needs metrics to better run the business so they can onboard reps faster, so they can share best practices across the team so that everybody can get smarter together. And visibility and accountability is a good thing, but that's not just a technical thing, that's a cultural thing. And if you don't have that culture in place, you're also going through a bit of a cultural transformation as you begin to do this. I I agree with Jeff. I think part of the way we approach implementations, I mean, it's it's outcome-driven, right? So those workshops that we have with leadership to understand, you know, what are the KPIs, right? What are you guys trying to accomplish? And and it encompasses not only sales, but it gets into service, right? It might get into operations. How can we improve our forecasting process? Because, you know, if we can move the accuracy a couple points, that has a huge impact on our business. So those workshops are around desired outcomes, but they also get in the process, right? So how's each of these folks doing their jobs? Where are their pain points and challenges? If they could change it, how would they change it? And that helps us determine the direction we're going to go when we, we make the recommendations on how to implement. 
The other piece of it is the people part, as Jeff mentioned. So we spend a lot of time on change management. And change management is absolutely critical to the success of every implementation, as you guys know. Um, and that's all around communication. It's letting people understand what they're going to get out of an implementation, how it's going to help them, how it's going to be measured, and then how are we doing, right? So it, there's a lot of components to that that go beyond just the technology and gets into the people part of it. Well, I think that, um, you know, some of the projects that I have been involved in um, in the CRM space, doing ride alongs with uh, the salespeople and, um, and and trying to reinforce the the fact that um, what they do is so critical to the success of the company that, um, you know, the that trying to, to document um, a, a day in the life or capture metrics about what makes um, salesperson A successful um, compared to salesperson B, that the system will help um, determine that. And I think one of the things, um, being a, a member of the sales team myself, is that a lot of salespeople feel that um, what makes them a good salesperson is is the relationships that they build and, and you know, how is a system going to quantify that? Um, and, and, you know, trying to explain, I think, um, great points that that everyone has made in terms of the the goal and the overall benefit to the uh, um, to the organization about like you know what you do as a salesperson is important and because of that we you know we need to have um, I don't know how many times we get told how many uh, how important it is to have an accurate pipeline so we have the right delivery resources so that we don't you know um, face a, a a deluge of projects and suddenly we don't have the resources so reinforcing to the sales team um, how important their input is and, and that's um, a big part of the why that I think a lot of successful projects um, document right from the beginning um, and then and then from there it's uh, it's just you know um, people like Steve checking homework and making sure that uh, that because when I have conversations with with um, different people on demos about you know oh you want to see CRM and Business Central sure what's you know what's driving this and and um, you know just being um, frank about about it like if if you think you have a problem with your sales team and you want to you know that's part of what um, relationship management can be right that's probably not the most important function in most organizations but it is um, it can be an important function um, let's just be frank about why we're doing this and I think as long as that's the culture that is created in a company then um, um, I think that that those projects go well but correct me if I'm wrong um, CRM won't won't fix a uh, a great CRM project won't fix a bad culture right Absolutely right. Well, if it's a bad culture, it won't fix a bad product. It's you know it it might it might help things work a tiny bit better, but those are bigger problems. CRM can help you help you um, advance what you're what you're doing across those things, and I think it can point out things like cultural gaps and help you develop visibility and approaches to closing those things. But technology doesn't solve human problems, right? And and you're, everyone who would touch CRM is what I would call a people first person. And that's not just sales, but of course, salespeople tend to be people first. That can be customer service, field service, marketing. Those folks tend to not be as technical first and they tend to not be as task first as other technology users, right? So by definition, their processes have to take into consideration their humanness in, in the best possible way, right? So when you think about an operations system or a marketing system, or, or sorry, a finance system, 
mean, those tend to be pretty rigid, right? Pretty rule-based. Yes, there are exceptions, but even the exceptions are pretty well mapped out because creative accounting, that's not really a positive term, right? <laughs> but creative selling, creative marketing, creative customer service resolutions, those are really positive. So so when you think about the processes, when we, when we facilitate the workshops around this, it's how do we find the common ground, even if we've got five disparate sales teams that are selling different product lines, how do we find common ground here? And how do we create a rigid kernel in the middle and a flexible edge around the outside? Because if you take away the ability of customer facing people's ability to be creative, you're going to take away the reason you've hired those people to begin with. So they need a lot more flexibility than other people do. And somehow you've got to create processes that enable and empower that and don't take that away. I think that's a great point. And we were actually talking about that before we started taping the podcast. How do you get some of those folks that are great producers for you to interact with CRM? And, and I think part of it is to help them, obviously, number one, give me more time to sell. And the other part is the efficiency aspect. The other part is how can I get things done that I'm having trouble getting done? A good example might be I need a special quote for a huge opportunity I have. All right. The only way you can get that done is to ask for approval. And the only way you can get approval is to have the background information as to why you need it. That all can be done in CRM. Another great example for the manufacturing space, a typical challenge in that space is, is sample management, right? So how can I facilitate a sample order? How can I make sure that that's being processed? How can I track my ROI on samples? If I can make that easier for them to facilitate that process, then you're going to get adoption. You're, you're bringing a business process into CRM and you're adding value to it because you're making it work and you're giving full transparency as to where you are in, in, that, in that interaction. So just a couple of points to, to, to note. Yeah, great points. And, you know, you, you talked about that magic word culture and then you said adoption. And, and I think they work together because, you know, when, when, at Inovia, when, when, if we lose an opportunity, we lose, we lose the opportunity. But we went in early, right? And some companies, uh, I, I remember talking to an owner of an $80 million a year company who basically so wanted just to watch the activities of the sales team on the CRM. And if you lost a deal that was worth so much, you had to talk with him on why you lost it. And I just, I looked at him and I said, you ever had, you ever, have you ever lost a, a large deal? It's like somebody just punched you in the gut, took a vacuum cleaner, stuck it in your mouth and sucked the living life out of your body. Okay. And so, they don't they don't like that experience and the fact that they have to explain it to you do you think they're going to put the next deal in in an early stage or you think they're going to put that deal in at all or it's going to be a magic deal that shows up two weeks before it closes oh hey look <laughs> right you know but that's more the culture point on there and and the other point we were kind of talking about earlier is that you know can it make give you a b and c players right and here's this tool that can help you and we were making a comment earlier, GSDs, get stuff done, that's the rated uh, G version people, right? That they're just going to be creative and they're going to find a way to get it done, right? Those folks can, will take the CRM to another level. They're just like, hey, it's another tool for me, help me. But, you know, I've had conversations and I like to hear your take on it. Like, is it really going to help the C players, right? I mean, are they, you know, the people, are they going to fight it? It's, it's, I, if, you know, it's that whole conversation on, if we can build it to help them do their job and, and move deals down the pipeline. And one of you said earlier, like the magic two words, next steps, right? How can you use this to build 70% when we're talking with our, our, uh, our, our sales gravy training, one of the things that stood out early in our training was that set, the reason that 70% of 
deals are stalled in the pipeline, there's no plan next step. Right. And it's like a little light went on, like, oh my gosh, now you can use this to automate to help remind them, like to plan to put that next step in. But it it's people, you know, you change management you talked about too. Can can these people change? Because I, did, I, did you guys ever like the little black book that some of the you know, people that are north of 50 salespeople, do you get more pushback from them? But they feel like, OK, I got the, I got my list of contacts here. And you may put this stuff in. I think they become uh, maybe scared, like they don't need me as much because like that's this is my protection. Right. Do you, do mm-hmm. you see a lot of that still or is that going away? I'm kind of curious to hear about like the adoption for all like the, the salespeople and and then. Uh, you know, the, the challenges you have with that. So what keeps executives up at night is um, <laughs> losing the, the knowledge, the tribal knowledge that senior salespeople have when they leave the company, right? Um, because it's all on a, a Rolodex or an Excel file, or it's not accessible to them. So that that's, an, that's, that's a big challenge for them. And, and, and it does indeed keep them up at night. And to your point, there's a lot of resistance to people that have been doing it the same way for a long time um, to change. It's just just natural. Um, part of what we try to do when we do implementations is engage some of the senior folks. Um, the workshops are critical because if we can get them engaged and providing feedback, which we will always do, it's part of our process. Some things may come out that maybe the executives weren't aware of. That may in fact help you lead to a more of an acceptance right of, of the technology and the tools um, going back to the point that you made earlier about how do you get c players to kind of rise up and how can crm help with that i think part of that depends on why they're c players um, so a good example might be that they're they're new to the company right and they really don't understand what needs to be do need what needs to be done when during the sales process. And that's some of the things that CRM can help with. We talked earlier about workflow and guidance, right? Depending on the stage you're at, at the opportunity. And if you can bring some of that insight into them as they work their opportunities in CRM, they may be more effective. Or if you can create a collaboration platform where they know where to go to get help if they need it to advance that stage, that becomes a useful tool for them and hopefully will advance them uh, further. Looking at it a little differently, I think it's, um. It's fair to say CRM is not going to take someone who should not be in a sales role and make them a great salesperson, right? It's just, it's not going to do that. And I think for some, there is still this underlying sense of, oh my gosh, they're trying to automate me out of my job. And in my experience, that's that's never happened. I don't know if it ever will, right? If, if your business thrives on human-to-human relationships, you're not going to automate someone out of a job and you're not going to take a B player and just make them an A player magically by doing this. I'd also say your C players are the ones who have the greatest opportunity to improve if they're humans who are in the right role and they're improvable. Your A players actually have less opportunity to improve, right? If they're at the top of their game, you guys have done sales ride-alongs. I've ridden along with sales guys who I'm amazed at their mind. You just look at like, oh, yeah, I met this person 18 years ago. I haven't seen them for 15 years. Your kids must be in college now. Did little Johnny ever do anything with his football? You know, and they've got nothing written down anywhere, right? I'm not going to take that person and give them better data that they have to go to a keyboard to access to make them more productive. I might get them a little bit of incremental growth, but more than likely, it's important that they adopt it because if you do this right, and we have a whole methodology called LuxScore built around saying get the whole team together to decide the KPIs. 
and win or lose together, not just based on your individual performance. Individual performance is still important, but if everyone's based on individual performance, your A players go, there's nothing in it for me. I'm not going to improve no matter what I do. I'm at the top of my game. I don't need a tool. But if you're winning as a team, in addition to your individual winning, now your A players go, I can improve those B and C players incrementally and improve the whole team performance significantly, much more significantly than my moderate little incremental capabilities to improve my individual performance matter. That's why getting the whole team together using this is really important. The Lux score methodology really embraces that, takes it into account. It actually comes partially out of a book called Traction. If you ever read Traction, that's a whole way of kind of getting the whole team engaged and pursuing KPIs together instead of making them a, a collection of individualists. That that's great to hear. You got that spectrum and uh, uh, and, and the way you approach it because it's um, when there's money involved, right? A company I worked before, half your bonus was based on the district performance. So you would in, so you would go work with. Like, I remember working with those those play, people that were like needed the help, right? And uh, but that that's awesome. And guys, it's great to hear your approach towards uh, uh, towards it because it's. You know, these are tough conversations. People just think, you know, it's, oh, it's just a contact management. We're going to, you know, we're just going to put this system in. It's going to just push the button and work right away. It's just, it's, it can, it can do a lot of things. You know, one thing that, um, that I've, I've seen too, is that, uh, do you see people trying to make their CRM an ERP system? Have you guys had that happen? Yeah, probably not as often as we see ERP systems trying to be CRM systems, yeah. but yeah, we, we, we do we do see that some, right? There's this whole gray area as it goes from the pipeline right. to a quote, to an order, to an invoice. And at some point, there's this line across at which it moves from CRM to ERP, and people tend to push that line too far one way or another. Yeah, that's interesting comment. And, and Gary, you, had, you want to add something? No, I, I, we... One of the things we do is, is that's really important is education, right? And we do get that question a lot, right? What should I be doing in CRM and what should I be doing in ERP? And I think with our experience and industry knowledge, we can give them some good guidance as to what is best practice, what are best practices for facilitating certain types of, of business process in CRM versus, versus ERP. And usually once we have that conversation, um, it becomes clear that you're not going to manage your inventory in CRM, right? You may create an order in CRM, but probably the best way to do it, you know, might be to close that opportunity as one in CRM and then through an integration, notify the folks that enter those orders and, you know, get that process going. Do that probably in ERP. That's probably the best place to do it because that's really where it's, what it's made to do. So um, I think that comes, that's a value that comes with an experienced consultant is giving folks that guidance because a lot of them don't know. Oh, great conversation, guys. I know we're coming up on the uh, uh, time to, uh, to to close. Any other comments you'd like to, to, to state or? So much, but I think so much, we've, yeah. we've, hit the, we've hit the high points. I would say you know, to someone who's just casually listening, saying either I'm thinking about getting into a CRM solution or maybe I'm in one and I'm struggling. The, the core things I tell you are, Get a plan, have a roadmap that looks over the long term, not just something, you know, how can we try to solve our problems in three months? You won't. You may as well own up to that and think about what's the long term plan for getting there. And remember that once you get going, you need ongoing support maintenance. Nothing gets dirtier in its data arena faster than CRM data. So you need to make sure you've got a plan and the support you need internally or externally to say, 
How do we manage this data? How do we keep it clean? How do we keep it value added throughout the entire life cycle? Um, and how do we make sure our team has the support they need to adopt it? So there's the upfront planning, there's the implementation, which is all that most people focus on. And then there's the support. Don't forget the planning, don't forget the support. We see that get looked over so often. And the thing I would add is um, leverage the platform, right? You know, when we talk about CRM, you know, we're also talking about the other parts of the Microsoft platform, SharePoint Teams, the Power Platform and Analytics. So one of the things that people do sometimes is look at these things in silos. And if you're on the Microsoft platform, take advantage of the fact that you have access to these other tools and talk to a consultant. It doesn't have to be us, but hopefully it is us and learn about best practices for leveraging that platform, which includes, by the way, BC, right? So that's the other thing I would I would recommend. All right, Steve, can I ask a, a couple? My, I've been holding on to uh, to, to a couple Absolutely. questions. So first of all, um, this one uh, hopefully will be, will be a, a, a short answer. Um, how many, uh, I mean, there's a lot of products in the dynamics space around sales and customer service. Um, which specifically do you guys work with? So we on the, on the Microsoft product line, we work with all the Dynamics 365 product lineup for customer oh. engagement. So that's sales, customer service, field service, project operations, marketing, which is getting renamed to customer insights. Um, and that's split into two things, uh, journeys and data for the kind of the, the common, uh, the customer data platform. Yeah. Uh, there are a few others, but those are the primary. But then also Power Platform, Power BI, we work within that. SharePoint and Teams, we have an employee engagement side of our practice that focuses on those things. And we're kind of unique because we can bring all those worlds together. Great. Okay, that's uh, that is um, good to know. And I know as a licensing guy here at um, Anovia, I'm you know helping our customers figure out what solutions they need, and um, and oftentimes I don't um, I don't know where to go with you know how much is this going to cost me from a licensing perspective. There's you know 12 different SKUs in that um, dynamic space, and and so it's good to know that you guys aren't um, experts in that, and I can uh, I can leverage you as a resource when I've got questions. Um, second question is um, what does a um, what does a project look like for you um, in terms of of length of time? Um, I don't know if dollar investment is, is appropriate or number of hours, but but a customer that comes to you with a, um, we'll just say a mature sales process, but no um, no solution, no CRM um, software to support that. What is what does that look like? I know we t typically say like six to twelve months for an ERP implementation. What's a CRM implementation timeline? So there's a lot of dependence and dependencies and variables in here, but let me kind of describe the typical to you. We we prefer to start with a roadmap, as I've stated before. What I tell people to expect for a roadmap is about one calendar quarter. It doesn't necessarily take that long, but by the time it gets planned and we align to your schedules and we run workshops, and we put everything together and we fine tune it together, you've usually invested about a quarter of a calendar year in getting that put together, sometimes two months, sometimes four, but that's the general bogey for that. Um, remembering when you do that, I know that the, the natural starting point that we've been talking about a lot is dynamic sales, but a lot of times you're talking about other things or maybe even leading with something other than sales. Sometimes it's customer service, sometimes it's marketing, sometimes it's a portal, who knows? So the more of those things you do, the more complex and long-term your roadmap is going to be. But at the end of the roadmap, you should have a plan that says, OK, here's what we're going to do. Our big uh, phases for this project over some period of time. 
we look at a, a, a window of about 18 to 36 months for a brand new client. Now, if they're very, very simple, they might not need that much. It might be a, we're just implementing sales and then we'll be done for a long time. Others, we might go, you need to look out two or three years because you can implement this a lot faster than your people can respond to the change. So let's plan this out so you can adopt this in a meaningful way where your business can get the full leverage and value out of the investment when you do it. So how long does it have, take after the roadmap? That's a big, it depends. I would say expect at least nine months for a simple project between between not just go live, but also training and getting people fully up to speed. At the most, you probably want to look out at about a three-year plan because nobody can think longer than three years these days anyway. And then yeah. remember, there's a support and maintenance afterwards where you're going to say, don't just, it's not a bookshelf. You don't put it on and it takes care of itself. It constantly falls into disrepair, just like if you build a physical workplace and you need to have a facilities manager to keep it clean and well-oiled and well-run. When you're building this new digital workplace, you need a facilities manager to make sure that it stays clean and well-oiled and well-run as well. Great. Um, last question. Um, on a scale of one to 10, how excited are you about AI in the uh, on the Microsoft platform? So I'll I'll volunteer. I'm at like an 11, um, which is probably overstating how excited I actually should be about it. I know that you know there's transformative and there's transformative. I don't know how transformative this will actually be, but I can tell you that I'm using AI stuff multiple times every single week. Already a couple of times this morning prior to we, us even doing the session to get my job done as whether I'm wearing my business development hat or my CEO hat or my recruiter hat, whatever it is. Um, I'm finding amazing value from it. So um, so I think that as we see this get rolled into the Microsoft platform, it will have a huge impact. I do believe, though, having used it, it's going to enable people to do more things than they could do before. I don't think it's going to replace humans. I think humans using AI might replace other humans. So it behooves all of us to get on top of it. I was going to ask ChatGPT to give me a good answer to that question, but I didn't have, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I echo with what Jeff's saying, and, and it, it's exciting, like the, particularly in terms of um, some of the enhancements that are taking place just on the marketing platform right now for, for Dynamics, right? Um, so it's a learn learn something new every day with it, but um, how can you not be excited about it? It's it's, it's tremendous. It's really cool. But I agree with Jeff. It's not going to replace people. Um, it, it will in certain areas, but I don't think um, it will totally in some of the things that we do. All right. Well, thanks for that. This has uh, been a great conversation, Steve. I'll just I'll hand the podcast back over to you. Guys, it's been a great conversation. A lot of uh, insight. And, uh, and and so, how can uh, our listeners get a, a find you guys? Pretty easy. So you can go to our website, c5insight.com. That is singular, c5insight.com. Letter C, the number five, the word insight. Um, you can reach Gary, um, gary.brown at c5insight. Me, jeff.ables at c5insight. It's hard to spell my name even for me, so maybe you don't want to try with that one right away. Uh, or you can just send an email to our general num uh, address, luck, L-U-C-K, at c5insight. There's a whole story behind the word luck at C5 Insight. We'll hold that for another day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they can find you on LinkedIn also, I take it? Oh, yeah. We're out there on LinkedIn, too. Um, if you spell my name, G-E-O-F-F-A-B-L-E-S, there's only two of us in the world, as far as I know. You should nice. find me pretty easily. <laughs> Gary Brown's on a little bit of a different challenge. <laughs>
<laughs> nice. And, and we also have on, on our ISV page at Anovia.com, there's a link to uh, to C-Fight Insights. And, and guys, we really appreciate the conversation. And this podcast is over. <laughs>